God, I pray today that we would lean into you, that we would lean into your love, to your mercy, God, to your grace. And Holy Spirit, help us to walk with you today and each day. Blessings on us as we look into your word, find out what it means for our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. So uh, 17 years ago, happily working at my job, when my boss called me into his office and told me that I should find another one. I was stunned. I loved what I was doing. I thought I was pretty good at it. I had a lot of questions. I didn't know what to do. I wondered about my career, my future, and how I could even provide for my family at that time. Three years earlier, my wife was pregnant four months along with what was going to become our first son. We already had two beautiful daughters at the time. And we went into a routine doctor's appointment where the doctor discovered that there was no heartbeat. So he shared with us that our baby had died. And uh, we sat there in silence. Didn't know what to say. Didn't know what to think. Questions, questions, questions. God, why would you do such a thing to us? At that moment, we couldn't see a happy future beyond that. At those moments, moments like that in your life, we needed people. We needed our family. We needed our friends to come around us, surround us with their help, with their love, with their prayers. We needed at that time to hear a verse like our key verse today, Galatians 6.2, which says, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will obey the law of Christ. We were carrying huge burdens at that time, and we needed support in a big way. I was really excited when Ron assigned me these verses to speak on today, because I have spent so much of my life trying to do exactly what that verse says, trying to carry others' burdens through all my missions trips and my service projects, through working with the poor and the homeless, the outcast. I have sat with countless numbers of people, eyeball to eyeball, talking about life. What's going on? What are your struggles? And trying to help all of them find God in the midst of their trials. These are all great things. And the Bible speaks repeatedly in different parts about helping others along in life. But I discovered something as I started researching this particular passage of Scripture in the last month. I discovered that that's not at all what this verse is about. To use Galatians 6.2, carrying each other's burdens, to refer to helping my neighbor pull their weeds when they get out of control is completely out of context. Every story I wanted to share, everything I had planned on saying, I threw out the window. Because this is not what this verse is about. And so as I researched further, I began to look in that. What is that? What is it I need to say about this? See, if we just pull that verse out, carry each other's burdens, it's called proofed texting. 
It means that you, you look for a verse that meets a need for you, and when you find that verse, you just yank it out of the Bible, and then you throw it into your life and say, look, here's a verse, and it, it, it helps me prove this point or justify a position. And we don't ever want to just do that. It's, that disregards everything around the verse and why the verse was put where it is in the first place. We can't do that. We need to understand all of it. Let me give you a real-life example. My wife and I were shopping over here at Penny's the other day, and she was ready to make a couple purchases. So we're standing in line, and I'm standing behind her, and I'm not... I just want to get out of that store. I mean... <laughs> I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not, I'm not connecting with anything. And all of a sudden, the young worker says, old, tired, and grumpy. And I look up and I say, you can't talk to me like that. You don't even know me. Turns out she was referring to the very, very outdated cash registers. <laughs> Context is so important. So what is the context then today for our verses, and why do we need to consider it so important? Galatians 6.1 shows us the real issue in this chapter, and the issue is sin. Six, Galatians 6.1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. So this passage isn't about helping someone get the weeds out of their yard. This passage is about helping someone get the weeds out of their life. A dramatic difference in that. Now to fully understand chapter 6 in context then, we have to review what was said in chapter 5. The focus changes, as John said a few weeks back, from talking about freedom from the law to now walking in Christ. Chapter 5 asks us to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. And then Ron pointed out last week from this scripture the sinful nature that resides in all of us. Impurity, idolatry, jealousy, impure lustful pleasures, and that list even goes on. But then, this is set in contrast to what is called, and you know this, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those two are put in opposition to each other. And this chapter 5 concludes with a favorite scripture of mine. It's Galatians 5.25, and it says in the New International Version, I like this one, it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. But the reality is, not all of us do this. Not all of us keep in step with the Spirit. Many times I confess I'm quite out of step, out of sync with the Spirit in my life. In fact, sometimes I don't even think I'm walking on the same path. But that, my, my friend, was where you come in. That's where you come in. Let me read Galatians 5. I'm going to start at 526 and go through 6.5. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And then here's the scripture I read earlier. 
Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. (laughs) Giggle. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Did you catch your part? Hmm. Well, if not, let me walk us through this. This passage at heart is all about living in community. There's a mutual responsibility. There is a shared accountability among us. Some weak, some strong, but coming together to help everyone rise above their current situation. The Apostle Paul says it this way in the book of Romans. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. And he goes on and says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each each other that Christ Jesus had, the same mind as Christ Jesus, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that... That is true biblical community. You look out for me, I look out for you, and all of it brings glory to God. But but I want to talk today here in terms of two groups. Two groups, and I'm calling them the spiritually healthy and the spiritually hurting. Let's start with the spiritually healthy. They are defined in chapter 5, verse 18, as those led by the Spirit. That's it. The spiritually healthy are led by the Spirit. But you, you have a part to play in this passage. You're to recognize when a brother or sister is struggling with a sin issue, and you're to help carry that burden. Do you see the switch from from what I was saying earlier? You're to help carry this burden of sin with them. Now, burdens generally can include sickness, unemployment, loss of a loved one, loneliness, rejection, on and on and on. But here in this scripture, specifically, the burden to carry is the burden of sin. John Piper, a great writer, he he defined a burden as this, anything that threatens to crush the joy of our faith, whether a tragedy that threatens to make us doubt God's goodness, or, and then he says this, or a sin that threatens to drag us into guilt and judgment. Do you remember the feeling of sin? Can you feel that even now? How, how when, you're, when you're living in sin, when there's a sin issue, it bogs you down? The psalmist tells us that when we keep our sins hidden, when we do not confess our sins, it weighs us down. Psalm 32 says we feel like we are, quote, sapped as in the heat of summer. We all know what that feels like just after last week. My wife and I get on a plane tomorrow to go to, of all places, Phoenix. (laughs) She hates the heat with a passion. 
But we know what that feeling of being sapped as in the heat of summer feels like. 100 plus degrees. It makes you so you just simply don't want to do anything. You sit around. You are drained. And the reality is living with sin will do the same thing to us. It will have the same effect on us. Our sin will smother. It will stifle. It will suffocate our Christianity if we continue to live with it. And therefore, according to the scripture, that is a load that is too difficult for one person to carry. But you, you the spiritually healthy, you are doing well. Your life is under control currently. Your sin life is at a minimum. You are keeping in perfect step with the Spirit. But because of that, then, you have a job to do. And it has to do with helping those who are currently struggling with sin. You are to do this because in this way, according to chapter 6, verse 2, the second part, it says you obey the law of Christ. To obey the law of Christ. You know, it's kind of funny that Paul has spent so much time dismissing the law as the Christian's guide. But here now, he makes a not so subtle shift from the law of Moses to the law of Christ. The law of Christ is not a formula. It's not a religious pattern that then leads you to salvation. The law of Christ is simply living in the Spirit and following Jesus. That's the law of Christ, and all of us are able to do that. Ultimately, it's only God that forgives sin. We know this. That's not our part. We don't have that power in a person's life. But our part includes pointing out the error of someone else's ways and then pointing them back to Jesus. The goal, according to Galatians 6, is that those who have been wandering from the Spirit get back on the path. They're lost and wandering, and they get back on the path. My son-in-law and I love disc golf. Uh, it's, re- it's similar to regular golf. You use these Frisbee-type things, and you walk a course, and you throw them into these chain baskets. It's cheap. Uh, it, costs almost, it costs nothing to play. It's an hour and a half outside, and you get to be in nature. It's a great sport. But we wanted an adventure a couple weeks ago, so we started looking around for a course that nobody really knew about. And we found one on Red Dog Road. Anyone? You know the area, right? We go traipsing up there, driving from the paved road to the dirt road, and we went all the way up to the very top of Red Dog Road. And this couple owned some property up there, and they put in a massive 27-hole disc golf course. So we met with the woman, and she's trying to tell us, okay, here's where the holes go, here's one, and she said, and it turns out it's down this very steep hill. It is massive quantities of poison oak. Everywhere we walked, every time you would pick up your disc, you would sort of not touch where it was touching poison oak that time, and then you would throw it again. There were mosquitoes everywhere biting us. 
So we had to keep moving. So we walked down the hill, and we played holes one, two, and three. Never found four. In fact, we didn't find eight, nine, ten, or eleven. Like, we were just lost in the woods. It's 90-degree heat. We're sweating. Bugs are biting. I'm sure by now we're covered in poison oak. And the hill was so steep coming up that I had to sit down like three or four times. I couldn't even make it up. We were so lost. We finally come out on top, which is where she said we should eventually end up. And we look across, and it's flat. It's beautiful. There's grass between the holes with majestic pines pointing up. It, we played our last holes there, and it was spectacular. It's good to be back on the right path. It's good to not be lost. Whether that is disc golf, a hike in the woods, whether you're driving through a new town and you've got your GPS going to keep you on track, or whether it's living a righteous life instead of one filled with sin. It's good to be back on the right path. And you, you the spiritual healthy person, can help a sinner do that. What a powerful challenge that is. But beware, because there are some things the spiritually healthy person can do to destroy biblical community instead of bringing people back into it. There's going to be some fill-ins, and they come up pretty, pretty fast. So if you're into that, stay with me here for a moment. First, you can become self-centered. Verse 526 says, let us not become conceited. Let us not become conceited. Remember, this passage is about community. It's about everyone. It is not just about you. Second, you, became, you can become self-righteous. 6.1 says, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. There's an old saying, but it turns out it's taken from Proverbs 16, and it's quite true, and it says this, pride comes before a fall, so beware. Thirdly, you can develop an inflated self-esteem. Check out 6.3. If you think you're too important to help someone else, you're only fooling yourselves. You're not that important. You already chuckled at that one. That is such a great verse. In other words, hey, get over yourself, right? Get over yourself. Don't become, have an inflated self-esteem. And finally, in 6.4, it continues this issue of potential pride in the spiritually healthy by saying, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Have you ever, uh, maybe it's just me, have you ever compared your sins to someone else's? We find kind of a hierarchy of sins, don't we? I, you know, I may do these, uh, these sins. I may tell a little white lie. I, I, I drive a little bit over the speed limit. No big deal. But I don't do those sins. Pornography, stealing, cheating. And we find comfort sometimes that we're not as bad as those people. And it can even cause us to be a bit prideful that we aren't like them. But instead, here, we're to realize that we all sin. 
We all sin. And then we start by taking care of our own life, our own sin nature, developing self-control in all situations. Then, then we become those spiritually healthy people who can help carry the sin burden of others. So how do you do this? How do you appropriately approach someone you know is struggling with sin? This is never an easy thing to do. Galatians 6.1 will help us understand how to do that. It says we are to approach them gently and humbly. Approach them gently and humbly. You guys all know from Romans, the scripture tells us we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We are no better or worse than another person. We're no better, no worse than another sinner. We're just dealing with different pressures, different situations, different backgrounds, and different temptations. It's just different. The word gentle here in the original language says would be better translated in the spirit of humility. Gentle is in the spirit of humility. Now Paul, the apostle Paul, the writer, he may be making a connection here to chapter 5's reference to fruit of the spirit because we know that it's the Holy Spirit living in us. It's the Holy Spirit guiding us that then allows us to be gentle with others, especially those who are struggling with a sin. And is the grace of God alone. You know this. The grace of God alone that allows any of us entrance into the kingdom of heaven. That is what Galatians has been all about, right? I've been studying this for a while. Without this grace, without this undeserved favor from God, we are all doomed. This alone should cause us to be gentle with others and to humble ourselves under God. Gently and humbly. Who do you want pointing out your sin? Who do you want pointing out your sin? Someone who's pompous, who's self-righteous, who thinks they're all that in a bag of chips? Or are you willing to have someone who's humble and gentle approach you? Someone who recognizes from Scripture that they got a log sticking out of their eye but they love you so much that they're willing to come up, to confront, to talk about, and say, I know I got this log, but I see a speck in yours. I think it's the latter. I think that's the kind of person we want approaching us to point out sin for us. Now about the second group, the spiritually hurting. What is your part according to the scripture today? Well, just as the spiritually healthy has to be careful not to destroy community by being self-centered, self-righteous, or having an inflated self-esteem, the spiritually hurting can do some positive things to develop community. So first, you are to do some self-examination. Self-examination. If you identify yourself as what it says in chapter 6, verse 1, a believer who is overcome by some sin. If you identify as a believer who is overcome by some sin, then you need to figure out what that sin is and why it's happening. Do some self-examination. 1 John 1.8 says, if we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. 
the time for hidden sins. The time for living foolishly is over. Let's admit to ourselves that we struggle with something, and then we can begin to get some help for that. Included in our self-examination is the idea to carry your own load. Now, this is uh, chapter 6, verse 5, but it's from the New International Version because I like the way it goes along with verse 2 as well. So to carry your own load. Now, this is true for both those that are the spiritually healthy and the spiritually hurting. So earlier in chapter 6, verse 2, the burden referred to, I mentioned, was a sin issue. It was too difficult to carry alone. But here in 6.5, it shows us that each of us do have a load that we are supposed to carry. There is something we are supposed to take on ourselves. So what is that? It's simply our personal responsibility in all of this. No one's off the hook with their own life problems. There's no free passes. No one gets to blame or accuse others because of a sin issue in their own life. That is on us. That we have to take on us. Reminder, in chapter 5, the Holy Spirit has provided us with this amazing gift called self-control. And we're to be able to use that. Now, the same verse in chapter 6, verse 5, in the New Living Version, makes it clear that when Judgment Day comes, God's not going to compare my life to yours. He's not going to compare my sins to yours. In 6.5 in our version, it says that for, e- for we are each responsible for our own conduct. We're each responsible for our own conduct. We each have a load that we can carry, and we are responsible to be able to do that. And we can. We can carry that load with God as our strength and God as our hope. The second thing the spiritually hurting must do is self-disclosure. The spiritually hurting must do some self-disclosure. We know going back to that first John passage, it says this. If we confess our sins, he, God, if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess to him, he will forgive us and cleanse us of our sins. But the issue is that most people stop there. Most people are willing to admit to God that they struggle and they will, they will share their sins with God, but then they stop there. But there's more to it. It is important, maybe even mandatory, to tell someone else, an actual human being, about the sins and the things that are going on in your life. I'm taking this from one word in our scripture today. In 6.2, the word is share. Share. How is someone supposed to know you're struggling with something unless you share it with them, unless you tell them? Let's face it. Many sins are dark secrets. They're done in hiding, so no one will know what's going on unless you choose to reveal it to them. But even sins like jealousy, like coveting, like pride, they're also often covered up. We simply do not want people to think poorly of us, do we? James 5.16 
makes this clear. It says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. Confess your sins. Here James doesn't say to God, but we know that to be true. Confess your sins to each other so you can be prayed for and so you can heal. Let me give you a couple practical ways you can start to do this. The first one is find a community group. This is the place in our church to develop those deep relationships and share about our lives honestly and openly. The best friends I have from this church are those that are in my community group. But the reality is uh, a group in general like that is sort of um, accountability light. It's accountability light. You may share some things in a, in a group setting, but not all. In fact, it, it probably wouldn't even be appropriate necessarily to share everything about your life in your whole group. But it's a start to join a community group. And then you need to take the next step, and that's simply find a person. Find a person. Maybe this person is from your community group. Maybe not. But you need a safe, trusted person that you can open up to completely. You need a spiritually healthy person. You need someone who will ask you the hard questions and then keep you accountable for your answers. No lying, no deception, no messing around. This is so hard. No one wants to admit that they're struggling with a sin issue. But without confession, there may not be healing, and there may not be recovery. So I'll start. I'm a sinner. I am spiritually hurting. To admit that privately to myself is difficult. To share that with all of you is certainly a harder struggle. I know without a doubt that I am saved by grace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But I'm also weak. I fail to keep in step with the Spirit far more often than I would like to admit. I always want to be the spiritually healthy. I want to be that person that's there for others, that can bring them strength through their trials. But I'm always not there. It's always my goal, and I work hard at this daily, but I still fail. You know, Ron's message last week really pushed me to work harder at allowing the Spirit to be in control of my life, to make sure that my operating system is the Spirit operating system. That's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. But I still fall short. I still fail. I still fall into sin. Pray for me, would you? I hate that I still do that. I need you. I need the spiritually healthy, those who can help me say, stay strong. I need someone who can walk with me on this difficult journey of life. And I understand that those roles can change. 
As I admit, as I get healthy, as I confess, and I get stronger, you may find yourself in a weaker position. And then the roles change. Then I become the spiritually healthy. And I help you who are hurting. And I help raise you back up to who you want to be in Christ Jesus. It is a mutual accountability thing. So what about you? Where are you now? Are you spiritually healthy? Or are you spiritually hurting? Take a moment to consider. There's a graph in your notes and it's up on the screens as well. Which side would you fall more to right now? Spiritually healthy? Spiritually hurting? Are you keeping in step with the Spirit? Or are you wandering aimlessly in your faith, stuck in sin? Do you feel like you have something spiritual to offer someone else? Or are you the one in need of a safe friend to talk about life, to talk about sin? We need each other. If you are the spiritually hurting today, please find someone soon. And just begin to share and open up and tell them what's going on in your life. If you're the spiritually healthy and strong, pray about being there gently and humbly to be able to help someone who is struggling. The band's going to come out, the full band, and they're going to play some music for a few minutes to give us all some time to think, to process, to evaluate where you are right now. And after a while, they're going to share a song with us. It's called Come As You Are by David Crowder. And the lyrics say in part this, Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. And the chorus goes on to say, So lay down your burdens. You lay it down so others can come around and help carry that burden for you lay down your shame all who are broken lift up your face oh wanderer those who are lost come home you're not too far so lay down your hurt lay down your heart come as you are and you can come we have a spot right under over here under the cross to come and to be prayed for It's there every week, but perhaps you've never felt called to get out of your chair at the end of the service and come forward for prayer. Is today that day? There will be some people over here to pray with you, and I'll be there as well to be prayed for. So join me after the song up in front for prayer if you can. But first, let's take some time to reflect and to listen. Sorrow 
My children chipped in and bought me this thing called a Fitbit. Uh, among other things, what it does is count how many steps you take in a day. 
So you might go 5,000 steps in a day. A good day might be 10,000. I've had as many as 17. I think that was the day we were lost out in the valley. <laughs> 17,000 steps. What I've been doing now every night, when I take off my Fitbit, I take one last look at the number of steps I've taken that day, and I ask myself every night now, how many of those steps were, were keeping in step with the Spirit? 15,000 steps. How many were kept step with the Spirit? And how many was I walking on my own power, on my own path? It's been an incredible challenge. I hope you'll join me in the challenge to take every step in the Spirit with Christ, to admit, to confess that we can mutually come together and support one another that are struggling. Let me pray. God, thank you for this group And I know in this crowd, Lord, we have the spiritually healthy. Praise God for those that are doing well right now, that are keeping in step with you, Spirit. May they be there gently and humbly to help others. But Lord, we also have those that are spiritually hurting, who've come here even today, maybe looking for something, maybe not, maybe have been surprised by your Spirit today. But help those like myself, who want to admit, want to confess, want to get help for whatever it is we're struggling with. Lord, bless us all that we could be the church without judgment and just with love, that we could love each other like you would love us, and we know you do. So we thank you. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.